the journey to success is always invisible um, unless somebody's very transparent. And I made a vow that when I started my journey, that I was going to be transparent with the journey the whole way through. So people could see the ups and downs, the things that I had to do to, to accomplish it. And for people that are just learning about who I am, they're going to see some things that are out there that, that appear that they just appeared and happened. And those that are closest to me that have been you know, around me for the you know, last couple of years know what I've been through. They know the journey. They've seen the grind. They've seen me start a podcast in my dining room with a background. It was just a blue wall. Uh, you know, that's the kind of stuff that, you know, matters to me. You know, I, I wanted to create an opportunity for people uh, to see what it takes. And so I started a podcast called What Are You Made Of? Because I wanted to bring guests on to share that journey. And so, yeah, a lot of work has gone into it. A lot of commitment, consistency. Um, yeah, that, 100% with you on that. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of the None of Your Business podcast. Sean and Lacey here, just as we are each and every week. And today we have for you a super special guest that we know is going to inspire you. So make sure that I know like most people are doing their cardio right now, or maybe you're <laughs> on your drive home. Um, and especially if you're on your drive home, you're going to want to not get distracted and end up driving off the road because today's podcast is going to be super um, inspiring, motivational, useful for all of our service providers out there who are looking to grow their business, who are looking to reach more people, make a bigger impact and create the lifestyle that they deserve. Today's guest is Mike. Go ahead, you try. It's C-Rock. That's what he no, goes No, no, I wanted to start with his regular name. Who is that? Mike Sirocco. <laughs> And he goes by C-Rock. That's probably how you know him. You probably have seen his stuff on social media. You've seen him around. Mike, C-Rock Sirocco is going to join us for the entire episode today. Thanks, Mike, for being with us. Appreciate having you on. Sean and Lacey, what is happening? I'm so thankful that you've had me or given me the opportunity to be here. I always start every interview I go on with gratitude because it means so much to me to be able to be thankful for what I have. It gets rid of all complaining, anything that you can complain about. And uh, I just want to thank you and your audience for showing up today. Well, we like to start every interview with sort of the, how did you end up here? Because one of the things that uh, we have noticed is that it's easy, right? So you make it to this space where you are known. It doesn't take much more than just a phone or a computer you type in C-Rock, you start to see all of your stuff come up. And then it's easy to think that, well, I mean, there's C-Rock. I mean, that's because, you know, he knows, you know, really great people. He's got great relationships. I mean, if I knew Grant Cardone like you did, then of course I'd be, you know, all over the place too. But that's not always the case. I mean, everybody has this story, this journey. Um, and I think it's super important that we ground each and every one of our, um, uh, our guests but also our listeners and viewers so that we understand kind of where we're coming from, how this journey started for you and how you got here. Yeah. Look, man, it's uh, it, the journey to success is always invisible um, unless somebody's very transparent. And I made a vow that when I started my journey, that I was going to be transparent with the journey the whole way through. So people could see the ups and downs, the things that I had to do 
to, to accomplish it. And for people that are just learning about who I am, they're going to see some things that are out there that, that appear that they just appeared and happened. And those that are closest to me that have been you know, around me for the you know, last couple of years know what I've been through. They know the journey. They've seen the grind. They've seen me start a podcast in my dining room with a background. It was just a blue wall. Uh, you know, that's the kind of stuff that, you know, matters to me. You know, I, I wanted to create an opportunity for people uh, to see what it takes. And so I started a podcast called What Are You Made Of? Because I wanted to bring guests on to share that journey. And so, yeah, a lot of work has gone into it. A lot of commitment, consistency. Um, yeah, 100% with you on that. Yeah. And I, I, you know, reading about you and learning more about you, a lot of things out there, they say that you are no stranger to setbacks. And one of your missions in, in life is, is teaching people how to use their setbacks to propel them forward. And, and oftentimes, you know, I've always said that, that setbacks are setups for success. And so many people have difficulty, I think, landing on that and believing that's true when they're in the midst of that setback. What have you learned or can, what can you share about your own journey and setbacks and what you've seen when helping others? Yeah. So, you know, I came from a broken home. I don't remember my parents together. Uh, you know, a lot of broken people, alcohol, drug addicts, mental issues, suicide, you know, and I did the thing where, you know, kids that come from broken homes every other, every other weekend things, custody battles, child support conflicts. Then you add step parents into the mix. When you add step parents into the mix, there's an agenda there that has to be dealt with. And there's a lot of confusion and chaos and growing up in that environment. You know, it wasn't the easiest of course. And <clears throat> when I was eight, I decided to move with my dad. I was with my mom during that first eight years. And she was getting ready to go on to her third marriage and I didn't want to move into another man's house and learn another man's rules. So I decided to give my dad's house a shot. And when I went to my dad's house, I thought everything was great. He was moving on to his second marriage and I saw, thought, yeah, what, what the heck? Let me try this out. And for the first part of it, it started out great, but then there was some conflict going on with my stepmom, my mom, my dad. I don't know what the, the details were. It doesn't matter, but it was taken out on us kids. And so I dealt with a lot of abuse I used to sleep with my baseball bat when I was about nine years old because of the things I was seeing and hearing. And I just for three years dealt with that and didn't realize that it was not supposed to happen. I thought it was ordinary. A lot of people that go through abuse kind of become accustomed to it and think it's the way it's supposed to be. And that's why so many people stay in abusive situations. But I started to go visit other friends' houses and see their families and see their parents. And I thought, wait a minute, I want that. And I've always been the type of person that when I want something, I go get it. I don't want it given to me, but I want to go get it. And I've usually gotten what I want because I am very, very stubborn. <laughs> or another word I've, I've created, if you're taking notes, you might want to write this word down because I live through this word. It's in, inexorable. I-N-E-X-O-R-A-B-L-E. Inexorable. Unyielding and unable to be stopped. Mm. So I saw this. And you guys can stop me if you have any questions as I'm going through this because I'm almost done. But I, I decided to share with my mom what was going on. And she said, there's absolutely no reason you should be dealing with this. Like no, no kid should have to deal with this. I'm going to file court papers to get you out of that situation. But I cannot leave you, let, you know, have you hanging me out to dry here. You got to stick to your guns because they're going to try to talk you out of it. And so I said, all right, I got it. So she filed court papers. My dad got served one day. Finally, after weeks and weeks, I would come home from school just waiting for these papers to drop. And I came in the house this one day and the tension was thick as just 
you, you, you could feel it. Something was up. And my dad had these papers in his hand and I, I, I you know, he was a Mason, by the way, I have these bricks back mm -hmm. here just to kind of represent that mm -hmm. brick layer, block layer, poor concrete, very rough hands, big forearms. You could tell he was a hard worker and he was my hero. I looked up to him for how hard of a worker he was. And if anybody knows about Italians, we don't carry wallets. We carry wads of money with rubber bands around it. At least we used to before credit card. We used stuff to, and all used to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but he, he never carried a wallet and he used to show me hundred dollar bills all the time. And I love that. I thought it was the coolest thing. Well, he sent me to my room. I go back there. I'm waiting for him to come back. I remembered in my mind, stick to your guns, stick to your guns. And so he came back and said, hi, I can't understand why you want to move back with your mother. You have everything you need here. Your mother's poor, which my mom wasn't the best with money. Um, to the point where we used to go on vacation, which we were lucky to have vacations and we would stay at a little motel room in, in the Jersey shore, Wildwood, six people in one little room, wow. black trash bags as our suitcases. We didn't, we had a vacation at least, but you know, it's <laughs> that, that kind of, and he said, you know, she doesn't have any money. She has men coming in and out. She's on her third marriage. Why would you want to go into that? And I didn't listen. I just said, no, nah, I'm sticking to my guns. Uh, I made my decision. He said, okay. So he takes that wad of hundred dollar bills out that he carried around all the time. He peeled one off, crumpled it up and threw it at me and said, here, you're going to need this. Then when you're living on the streets with your mother one day. And at that moment, the first thing that ran through my head is what did I do? Like, uh -huh. did, did I, what, what did I just, like, I, I started a chain reaction. This is going to be bad. But then very quickly, my stubbornness kicked in and I was like, wait a minute, I'm not going to need that money. Now I was about 10 years old, by the way, but I was like, I'm not going to need that money. I had already been selling golf balls on the golf course that I found in the pond for money. I knew I could get money somehow. <laughs> so I was like, I'm not going to need that. I'll show you. And for 30 some years, Sean Lacey, 30 some years, I was driving off of this one spark that was lit right at that moment to show my dad that I didn't need that money. And uh, two years ago, I decided I needed to do a little self-assessment because I was going through some tough times in my business, trying to figure out why in my life, no matter what happens, ups and downs, discouragements, my own screw ups. Why was I always elevating? I got to figure this out. If I could figure this out, I could share this with people. And what I found was I was taking everything that would stop normal people, slow normal people down. I was taking all that and storing it in my tank instead of my trunk where it would weigh you down. Most people keep stuff in their trunk. I was putting it in my tank and I was using it as fuel to become unstoppable. And I found this out. That's why I wrote the book Rocket Fuel because I shared how I figured this out and how I implement this. Basically, to take everything that comes your way that would stop or slow you down and become unstoppable. I love that. The book is called Rocket Fuel. It's mm. available on Amazon and everywhere where you get books. Go out and get your copy so that you can um, put more information in your brain, feel a little more connection with C Rock. My question is so you said that you got to see what, what the alternative was. You went to your friends. And I thought in that moment, like, man, what a blessing that you were able to see that. Like, what would happen if you never knew that? Or what if your friends were in um, that same type of environment? How many people out there are in a setback? They kind of like maybe inherently know it, but right. they don't know anything different. They mm -hmm. just think that, man, I mean, maybe, you know, I signed up to be an entrepreneur. Maybe it's supposed to be like this. May, you know, whatever it is, they just, they, they have to see that. How important is it for you to see something different so that you could go after it. Yeah. Huge. We don't know what we don't know. Right. So self-awareness and understanding what you do know and what you don't know. And then that there also is things you don't know, you don't know. 
Like there's a pie chart thing I seen I saw before. One of my mentors showed me this. A little sliver of this pie chart is what you know. There's another little tiny sliver of what you don't know. And depending on the person, one might be bigger than the other. <laughs> and then there's the rest of the pie chart of things you don't know you don't know. So for me, being able to do that was huge. And for as an entrepreneur, being able to go to different towns and cities, go to a different events, pay attention to other mentors, read books. This provides that opportunity for you to be able to see what you don't know you don't know. So immensely important. I, I love this concept. Well, number one, what you said that I thought was really very a powerful statement is that when you were in that situation, you thought that that was ordinary, that that was the thing. And I think so many people oftentimes don't even recognize that they're in a setback because they do believe that it's the norm. But I, I think that your ability to see that contrast with your friends gave you that fuel. But I sometimes see when we're working with entrepreneurs ourselves, when they see the contrast, instead of using it as fuel, it becomes comparison. And then when they get into the state of comparison, it actually becomes a negative thing for, for them and damaging to their ability to grow. Have you worked with people like that? And do you have any tips on them overcoming that? Because I think that could be mm -hmm. dangerous for people. Yeah, a couple things. One, as an entrepreneur, when you're in the trenches or if you've worked for someone else and you're an entrepreneur or if you're an employee, at times you'll be shamed into working a certain way. And I'll give you an example of this. So I was in a mortgage division uh, running a company and the, it was the only company I'd ever worked for. It was the one that the longest, the, the longest stretch I had. And the owner of that company and the leadership of that company that was above me at the time would basically shame us into doing things the way we really shouldn't be doing them in the fact of as a salesperson, you should be out prospecting 95% of the time, not dealing with paperwork, not babysitting your pipeline, but they would shame you if you didn't do that because they didn't want to provide help to you to take care of that stuff while you go out and do your job. What that did for me personally and the people that were around me was limit us so like immensely. Like we, we were, our, our, our pipelines, we would have a roller coaster going throughout our months because we would have a big pipeline. We'd prospect. Then we'd have all these people we had to service and take care of because we weren't provided any assistance. They didn't want to spend the money on that. But here it was counterproductive because we couldn't go back out and sell. So then that limited me for, and I'll take responsibility because I should have investigated further, but I was in this, this cocoon, this world, and I was so focused on what I was doing that it limited me for years. I didn't go to events. I didn't have mentors. I just did what I was told. I was a company person. And so I was shamed into that. And so later on in my life, once I realized, wait a minute, I need to teach people how to do some things, delegate, and then exit my business, not selling it by, by exiting, but exit my position in the business, replace myself and go out and do what I can do to build the business. And I, but when I did that and I know it was the right thing because mentors were telling me that I would feel guilt. And, that, and now your feelings are real, by the way. So if you're feeling something, you don't want to just push them down and get rid of it. Like you want to realize what's going on and make an assessment on it. But I would feel guilt for exiting my business and replacing it and felt lazy because I was shamed into that before. And so we have to pay attention to these things that come our way and how people treat us and get mentors and pay attention to what, what, where they are in their place, where they are in their business and, and on their journey and learn from them and pay attention to the people that you're learning from. One other thing I'll add is, is if once you get a mission, you, everybody's heard about getting your why, right? Mm -hmm. I call it your mission. Like what is your mission in life? My mission is my filter. 
My mission is all people are unstoppable to live in the life of their dreams. With that, that mission defined, clearly defined, I can make my thoughts, words, and actions go towards that mission and get rid of everything that goes away from that mission. And if there's anything I'm unsure of, I don't put it in. I get rid of it too, because I want only things that are guaranteed to go towards my mission. And that allows me to clear all the chaos and confusion because nobody's ever successful when they're confused. Mm. And so those are the tips I'll give you uh, on that topic. Uh, and I, it's interesting because I th this thought just ca came to me. You said you held on to that moment with your father when he threw that money at you for how long? 30? Yeah, 30 some years. Um, 30 yeah, yeah, 30 yeah, something yeah. years. And, and so that's interesting because that propelled you. You use that as fuel. But what I'm hearing now too is with um, you probably have an ability to get over that stuff faster. Like when you did that mm -hmm. reassessment, did you have like a realization that I can't hold on to this stuff forever? Is that that moment you went from part of it was in the trunk to now it's all used as fuel? Because I see people hold on to stuff for very long and they can't use it to propel. Yeah. Great question. Great question. So I'll use things until I can't use it anymore. Not use mm -hmm. people, right? But use instances, use sources. But I realized during this whole process, as I've been refining my engine, right? Let's call ourselves engines. That I used to be a Ford Focus. No offense to anybody who drives Fords. I used to be a Ford Focus. And that Ford could use lower octane fuel, which is all that toxicity, all the discouragement, all that stuff that came my way. But there's some kind of line that you eventually cross that your engine becomes more refined from self-development, from mentorship, from experience. You get to a point at some point where you can't use that toxic fuel anymore. It limits you. It gets you, it gets you to a point and you can't go any further. So there's a new octane or higher octane fuel that you have to go towards, a new source. And I didn't put this in the book because I was thinking about this after I published Rocket Fuel. Mm -hmm. But that fuel is because you're able to believe bigger and see bigger and dream bigger once your engines refine more, those targets and goals and dreams that you're putting out there are your new fuel source. And they're higher octane, they're cleaner, and they actually pull you forward faster. So I hope that answers your question, but that's some evolvement that I've been through, uh, an evolution in my, my engine. That's great. I, I could see that in you when you're telling your story. So I hope you do a rocket fuel part two and expand <laughs> on that because that's a killer concept. I mean, that's gold right there. Thank you for sharing that. Well, I'm going to jump on on that soapbox back to what he <laughs> said about um, your why too, because we've never talked about that. But I mean, you know yeah. that. I mean, I, I mean, and you know, bless bless Simon Sinek, and I I love his work, but I don't buy into that. People buy your why. People, I agree with C-Rock, people buy into your mission. We say people buy what you stand for. It's the very same thing. Mm -hmm. You know, C-Rock might be doing all of this for all we know. The why behind it might be to prove to his father. Mm -hmm. It also might be because he wants to have a private jet. I saw an image that it said future billionaire. Maybe it's because he wants to be a billionaire. We'll you know what? That's family not why people yeah. engage with C-Rock. People engage because of what you stand for. People engage because they're in alignment with the mission. So mm -hmm. people don't buy the why. Because look, frankly, there are people that have monetary-driven uh, whys or maybe even self-serving. Like, I want to be known. I want to be popular. But if the message is right and it's in alignment, we can leverage that. So it's the same thing. Like, I don't know why the gasoline was made, but I need the fuel. I need to get it. Regardless of 
you know, Shell or Exxon's mm. Y. I need that in order to then, you know, serve my needs and fuel my Y, which everybody's right. on a different path. So I've always talked about that. And I really appreciate you saying that. It's because it's, I've always said it's not about, not necessarily about your Y. Tell us, though, I love this because um, I didn't actually know this part. So you were in the mortgage industry. You actually, I think what's important is you were very successful. So it's not like you were like mediocre. And then because you're like, gosh, why is life, you know, so gray? You discovered this. You were very successful, but still had these emotions and feelings of guilt. How does that propel you on to whatever you go on to next? Uh, I got to add to what you said before that question real quick, because people don't buy your why. I believe what I've seen is you got to create an attraction model by being a creator and causing people's future. Like everybody creates their own future, regardless of whether they know it or not, or they're paying attention to it or whether it's intentional. But when you're intentional about causing and creating your future and helping others do the same thing, painting the picture for them down the road, that's what people buy. That's what attracts people to you. That's what attracts people to want to do business with you, get in business with you and learn from you. So I wanted to add that to what you just said, because I agree hundred percent. Yeah, that's great. Now, now, what you just asked me. So I was successful in the mortgage business um, compared to some people. I don't, I don't know that I was as successful to the potential that I have. So what I look at is what is my potential that's been given to me? I don't know. I know it's bigger than what I've ever done before though. And so since I know that it's bigger than I've ever done before and bigger than I can imagine, really, I have to shoot my targets and the games that I want to play have to be way bigger than I think I can achieve. Because if I don't do that, then I'm not giving my self a fair shot at going after my potential. And I, you know, I'm a believer in God. I don't, I don't apologize for my beliefs. I believe in God and I believe in an all powerful God that give, gives all of us an unlimited potential intellectually and mentally. And so I don't ever want to short, you know, short myself when it comes to that. So yeah, I've had success in the past, but I don't know that um, compared to what my potential is that I, that I would consider it successful. Hmm. I love Great. that. You know, when people, um, it's easy. It goes back to your comparison. I was just thinking right? that. It goes back yeah. to that same thing. Better so to compare yourself to your own potential than to what others are doing. I love it's very that. powerful. Yes. yes. So now we've moved on to blueprinted. Now we've gone yeah, from like your, your childhood mortgage, and now we're in the tech space. Tell us about what you've got going on these days. Yeah. So I've, I've always thought of myself as a people builder because remember I was around broken people all the time and I never, ever bought their stories, their BS stories of why they were doing the things they were doing or why they were feeling the way they were. Like it was all a story that they were telling themselves. I never bought into it. So I would call them out on it. And so then I would try to help them. And my grandmother had mental, many issues and it always seemed to arise in Bucket's head in uh, holidays or birthdays, right? It's a, it was an attention thing. I thought, I don't know, but I used to work her through some of her issues. And then when I went off to college and I wasn't around anymore, she ended up committing suicide. And I, I don't take you know, I don't feel guilty about that because I, you know, like I wasn't there or anything. I mean, I, I sometimes let that creep into my mind sometimes when I kick it out real quick. But my point with all this is that I've always been a people builder. I wanted to make people feel better, do better, elevate. So I was in the mortgage business and I thought one morning when I woke up, I'm not really in the mortgage business. I'm in a people building business because that's what I focus on every day. And then I started thinking about, okay, how can I build people to be unstoppable? All people are unstoppable to live in the life of their dreams. 
And I met a guy named Jared Yellen. You guys know him. And I just was DMing people through Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn. I do it all the time. I make a habit of reaching out to people. And his Instagram, he wasn't even really paying much attention to it. And he just so happened to answer my DM. And we got talking and we ended up doing an IG live together. And we found out that we're aligned in the fact that we build people. We want to build people. We want to level the playing field for people uh, and help elevate others. And I started thinking to him, you know, when he told me about that he was in tech and he has this dream of this moonshot of 10,000 tech companies in 10 years. I said, I want to be a part of that. I don't know how the heck you're going to do it, but I want to, I want in. And so I said, how could I, how could I be a tech entrepreneur? So he painted this picture for me and we were thinking about courses like digital training courses. There's tons of them out there, but are they actually working? Are they actually serving the client properly? And then I started thinking to myself, well, look, I don't like school. I don't know about you guys, but I don't like school. But what I did like was I liked playing with Legos. I liked playing with those Lincoln logs. I liked playing games. I like putting things together, right? So the reason courses don't work, one, is nobody wants to sit and watch a video for 5, 10, 15 minutes, an hour. You lose interest. You lose. You get distracted. And it's mostly theory. I would rather have somebody show me how to do something and accomplish something, giving me the steps. Now, do you guys have kids? Yes. Okay. You know, Legos, you guys played with Legos when you were a kid? Yes. I don't know about you, but when I was little, I just got a bag of Legos and there's no directions. And I was like, right. okay, you guys right. have to put them together. And I, I could never put anything <laughs> together. That was cool. It was like all just weird shapes. Nowadays <laughs> though, they have the kit and the, right. the Legos come in different bags and you just go through the book one page at a time and follow the steps. And then you build something magnificent, just like you saw in the picture or on the box that you couldn't build before. So we started thinking like, what if we created a tech product, a new platform that anybody that knows how to do something step-by-step, step, just like that Lego book tells you how to do a, put a Lego uh, figurine together or what have you. What if we were able to create some platform where people could put the steps to success in any vertical industry, hobby, or whatever in a platform and somebody could go to a marketplace and actually buy the blueprint to success and follow step-by-step-by-step. Mm -hmm. step step. And as long as they did that, they should achieve similar or same results. And that's what we created with Blueprinted. We wanted to put something together that's uh, industry disruptor that nobody's ever had the, 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 the creativity to figure out before because everybody keeps falling into the course, the course uh, platforms. Right. We wanted to be something totally different and actually get results for people. So Blueprinted is a platform. It's a, what, what exactly is well, it? Well, blueprinted, first of all, spelled B-L-O-O -O, printed. It's not yeah. like the color. Blueprinted, just a little switch up there. But if you go to blueprinted.com forward slash VIP, you can check it out. But it's basically a project management format, uh, marketplace slash social media, uh, where, where people can go in and create a blueprint to success. Let's say you have a podcast. If you were to reverse engineer exactly how you guys came up with an idea, once you re realized you wanted to do a podcast, what was the first step from that point on? What was the next step? How many steps were there? What order were the steps in? And if you could create that in a document and we could build the blueprint for you, and then you could come up in a marketplace and somebody would search how to start a podcast and you would come up, Sean and Lacey, here's their blueprint to create a podcast. You buy it for whatever price you list it at. And then people go in there and they just literally the day one, here's what you do day one. Uh, when you're done, yeah, when you're done day one, don't do anything else. Don't jump ahead. Just wait till day two. Day two pulls up. Okay, do these things. 
and then all the way through till you launch your podcast, monetize your podcast, however far you want to take them. But it's calendarized, calendar integration, text reminders. You can have accountability. We have accountability measures built in. Um, coaches can be really hands-on or hands-off. It's up to them. And uh, Grant Cardone's a partner in this with us. He's got a blueprint coming into it. Um, Jared's got a blueprint coming into it. I got one coming into it. And so far, we're, we're focused on right now getting our first 100 founding member architects, we call them, in the system with us and basically solving the pain of getting results for your clients and actually, actually having them finish what you put out there for them to do. It's, it's like a SOPs on steroids. And that we see this all the time with entrepreneurs. Like they just have a lot of difficulty initiating, creating strong systems to get to that level of success. Yeah. Right. And so this mm -hmm. is done for you. I mean, this is amazing. I, I love the idea and concept of this. I mean, it's, it's pretty phenomenal. So by the way, is, th th yeah. this, this is one of my weaknesses, by the way, like I'm a guy that decides what I want and I go get it. And I'm like, I'm, I'm all over the place, right? I waste a lot of time, money, stress, relationships, uh, reputation. Uh, there's all kinds of things that go along with this. Your health. Right. There's all kinds of pain points caused by this issue that we just fixed. Mm -hmm. So www.blueprintedblooprinted.com. www.blueprinted b l o o p r i n t e d dot com forward slash, forward slash v i p yeah. and there you can see all of so the cool neat. tools that are there. Um, so does the does the does the product walk the the user through somebody trying to create a blueprint um, and hold their hand? Um, like, is there any other yeah. tech stacks that will assist them in creating their blueprint? Yeah, the best part about it is right now we've decided to create the blueprints with the architect with our specialist for the first hundred, we're going to walk them through it. We're going to document and we're going to have blueprints on how to create blueprints. Um, <laughs> but, but we're going to have, basically we're going to have specialists that build blueprints for people, just like people used to build websites for people. Mm. And then we're going to also have a certification process where we'll certify people to build blueprints for people and create a whole new industry of blueprint builders. And so, yes, we're going to have that. Then there's going to be people, you're going to have access to the creator studio. If you're an architect, you can build your own blueprint later on. But at the first 100, we're building all of them for them. That is super know, fantastic. So In your mind, when this was coming to fruition, and so you're kind of vision casting this, what were some of the um, the blueprints, some of the far out ones? Obviously, you know, you guys being the creators, you're dropping yours in. What are some of the dream blueprints that you're hoping to see arrive on the platform? Well, right now, so far, we've had signed up um, house flippers, um, podcasters, uh, parents, single moms, you know, wanting to put a blueprint on how to structure their schedule properly with kids being a single mom. Um, who else? Uh, we, we, another one I was thinking about for the mortgage industry is how do I bring somebody in? That's not a loan officer, get them into the, in the door, get licensed and build a pipeline in 90 days and put them on a success schedule. Like if they come in, they know for 90 days, if you just follow this blueprint, you will have a pipeline. You will be making money in 90 days. Um, you know, there's all kinds of different ideas. I mean, shoot, uh, ha travel hackers, building a online following, um, you name it, man. Like if, if somebody yeah. needs to know how to do something, there's gotta be a blueprint for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. Again, we always, we always tell people infrastructure before growth, like you have to have systems, you have to have ways of doing things. And again, that we always see that as a big gap in, uh, 
an entrepreneur's business. And so you're right. I think it's a total disruptor in the field. And it's exactly what people need because oftentimes they just don't have the time, the bandwidth or the skill set to create it themselves. So this is great. Yeah. And an enterprise, sorry, Sean, I didn't cut you off, but there's an enterprise version of it as well. That's going to be coming out. And we're already in talks with Salesforce to work with them. And if you could think of like how Salesforce works, this big, like awesome CRM, how do you implement that into your business? Well, there should be a blueprint for that, right? right? A blueprint of showing how people, how to use Salesforce in their company fully efficiently to the, to, to maximize the potential of the CRM. So yeah, there's all kinds of things that I'm, I'm fired up. Obviously you could see that I've never been in tech before, but now I am. And people need to look out because when I get into something, it's like, (laughs) you know, know, I'm just, uh, I'm ready to go, man. (laughs) I absolutely love that. Now let's, let's, let's marry the two from your previous life. Um, rocket fuel with the tech. Here's one of the things that week after week, Lacey and I, um, are blessed to experience. We have amazing guests like yourself. People come on and introduce our audience to these super cool things. And then um, in conversations following the airing of the podcast, you know, hey, did you like it? Yeah, it was great. I want to start investing. I want to start flipping houses. I want to start podcasting. I want to start creating a course. I want to get in. But then they don't do it, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like there's a lot of like, it's easy. People listen to a podcast they get or see hyped. a video <laughs> and they're excited, but yeah. then they don't do it. And they have like this laundry list of all these things that they wanted to do. They wrote them down. They were like, yeah, I'm going to do it. And they didn't do it. This could potentially fall into the same category because look, this is amazing. It's revolutionary. People are like, oh yeah, I can, I'm going to make blueprints. I want to be one of the first 100, but how do we transition? So go back to C-Rock, Rocket Fuel. What would you say to somebody that's like, this is great, but they have a track record of not ever getting off the couch and executing. How do we get them to take action and go and explore this and start creating blueprints of their own? Well, first of all, I have to be in their ear, first of all, and they got to find out about who I am, first of all. And second of all, if once somebody goes in and we grab them, I'm just going to warn everybody right now. Like if I have your email address, if I have any way to track you on social media, I'm going to stay in front of you until you get into blueprint and do something with it. Whether you're buying a blueprint or you're building a blueprint, everybody's going to use this platform. It's a utility. They're going to need it and I'm going to make sure of it and I'm committed to it. So when I commit, guys, I'm not like most people that say committed and one foot in, one foot out. Like I'm, I'm all in, burn the ships, committed, like, you know, run over fire, like whatever I got to do to get it to done. So I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna be there constantly with people, and that's the way it's gonna be. So if they get sick and tired of hearing from me, they're gonna have to get into blueprinted. <laughs> <laughs> so high level accountability is what you're saying. I love yeah, it. <laughs> foot, foot in the butt. No, um, yeah, no, really what it comes down to though, is once people do get into the platform, we're going to, you know, the accountability has to be there. We have to be on the same page and we only want to align with people that want to be held accountable. If somebody doesn't want to be held accountable or if somebody doesn't want to help, then we got to go back, take a few steps back and start talking about help. Why help's important. Help does not make you less valuable. Help does not make you weak. It's actually the opposite of that. Everybody needs help and everybody should be offering help. And we can start talking about that a lot. And once we do that and you get people talking about that, then they open up and then, 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 you know, they're, they're yours to work with. I love it. I have one more thing before we let you go today that I, I just am curious on. So you were able in, in your life to find that moment that, that you held on to that again, fueled you to go where you're wanting to go. 
Do you believe that somebody can, maybe they're, you know, a little bit older in life, maybe they're stuck in a career that they don't love, maybe they want more for themselves and they're just not motivated. Do you believe that they can go back somehow and find that moment and then attach to it? Have you been able to help guide people in that? Or is it just something you have to have done already? Uh, no, I mean, it's never too late one and absolutely. So the only way and best way that I can do this or anybody can do this is to exemplify, like to exemplify, like to, I, I want to show people what I'm doing and tell them as I'm going so they can see and follow the journey. There's, this is an example. There's a lady and I don't want to call out her name, but there's a lady that uh, I went to high school with and college with. And one of my best friends that works with me now was talking to her. And she's like, oh gosh, I see C-Rock on social media all the time. And oh my gosh, all this stuff, right? But then she very quickly caught herself and said, but you know what? I'm sitting here watching this, complaining that I see him all the time. And here I'm watching this journey with him elevating and helping people. And, and I'm going to sit here and watch him become a multimillionaire because of what he like what he's doing. But I'm complaining about it first. So if I can do this, even if it gets on people's nerves that we're always in, in their face and eventually they become fans, they become interested. There's a thing called a hater cycle. People at first, a lot of times will, will hate on you. They'll discourage you. They'll make comments, but you cannot quit right then. That's a sign to keep going. Most people pull back and introvert. I go further. That's a trigger to me to go forward and push forward and extrovert more. And then what happens is you start to get progress and success. Then they start to get interested in what you're doing. Then they start to become fans of what you're doing and start asking questions. And you may even hear this. I knew you were going to be successful. Like I always knew about that about you. So that's, I wrote that. I wrote about that in the book. <laughs> <laughs> sure yeah, <that's>, you did. <laughs> that's pretty good. I'm sure you knew. Huh? <laughs> the product is called blueprinted www.blueprinted B L O O printed.com. The book is rocket fuel. Just jump on Amazon uh, pick up a copy of that. And then all you got to do, just go and like Mike Sirocco, C-Rock, on any social media. You'll be pixeled. He's going to then be in your face. Let C-Rock follow gotta, you to hold you hold accountable you to doing point. more. Yeah. Watch, watch, watch one of my videos. I got you. <laughs> That's right. I sucked right into the ecosystem. I love it. C-Rock, thank you so much for being with us. Super entertaining, but more importantly, super inspirational. And I hope that people will actually take action. You have a fantastic story, but people have to actually get off the couch. You know, you're one of those ones that, you know, your mother spoke to you and said, you know, this is what we're going to do, but you can't, you know, you can't, you can't cave. You got to stick to your story. We got to, we got to, we got to hold the line and you did. And as a result, look at where you are now. So many people um, can really learn from that because we dream, we think, we talk, but you actually have to take action and you have to stick to your guns. You have to say, this is what I'm doing. Um, jumping on, um, learning more about C-Rock, getting a copy of the book, getting motivated. And then once you're inspired, you have these ideas, jump on Blueprinted. It could actually be something that you might, you know, through this platform, this tool, you might, as a listener, as a viewer, have something that can literally change the world because you then are innovative and you drop a blueprint on the world that can help them to maximize, to create more efficiencies, to reach more people, to do big things. And of course, you get paid to do it. And well, everybody gets paid down the line there. And it's a win-win, 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 and the world changes. C-Rock, thanks so much for being with us. We appreciate you. Thank you, Sean and Lacey. I appreciate you guys.
Hey, we'll be back again next week with a brand new episode of the None of Your Business podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Tell your friends about us. Subscribe. Leave us a review. We'll be back again next week.